So in your own words, what is the greatest comic book movie ever made? And why is it Batman and Robin by Joel Schumacher? Okay. So there has been over the last 23 odd years, um, some backlash against the masterpiece that is Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. Sure. Um, I think that people really can't reconcile their image of Batman and what he should be with the, you know, just like campy, intensely gay take on Batman that Joel Schumacher had with his, uh, with his bad nipples and his, uh, rippling, uh, speechless, uh, leather daddy Bane. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm somewhat convinced that Joel Schumacher had never heard of Bane until someone showed him an illustration of Bane. Well, I mean, the the movie was being made in like, you know, the movie came out in 97. So it means it was probably being made in like 95, 96. Bane only appeared in the comic books in Nightfall in like 93, probably. It You know, I'm just guessing off the top of my head. It's probably in like 93 is when Bane first appeared. So he was a relatively recent introduction to that continuity. And so Joel Schumacher probably just saw him and was just like, get out of my comics and get into my fucking big horny movie. What rhymes with shoes? And often gives you the blues. How about news? Right off the top of the pops is word that Halloween Horror Nights 30 Years of Fear has been cancelled. <laughs> as has its Hollywood counterpart, as well as Disney's Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. And yeah, we had talked about this last week. How they were going to social distance uh, between uh, the parks. But realistically, how are they going to do that? Daisy chain them together and put a six-foot spreader bar in between each patron? I guess the underlying thesis was that, you know, they might find a way to do this in a socially distant manner. Um, that was kind of like my hope. But, you know, obviously it caved to uh reality and was just kind of like you know no we can't do this safely so we can't do it at all you know which if i'm if i'm speaking from a heart i'm kind of glad of because even if i did get to go to halloween hornets this year i would always in the back of my mind palace be wondering if i was killing myself or killing someone who was close to me just by doing the stupid act of going out to be here. Yeah, you know it, what I'm it, saying? It would all turn to ashes in my mouth as I was there, you know? So I think this is the only decision that uh, Universal could have made. I mean, t- this year was supposed to be the 30th anniversary of Halloween Horror Night. It was staged to be like a big deal, you know? But you have to remember. It's not the 30th anniversary of the calendar years that this event has happened. It's the 30th anniversary of the event. So if this event doesn't happen this year, we'll just 
bump it to the next year, and that will be the 30th anniversary. Nothing is fucking lost here except for just our, you know, enjoyment of the event in the, you know, very short term. No, absolutely, because the Hollywood variant of Halloween Horror Nights has taken years off in the past. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll all be quite quite sad, quite upset, and certainly the people who uh, spent their uh, spent their year working on this event will be disappointed, but... There will be much gnashing of teeth. But it's better that we delay it rather than we do it and the worst possible case happens. But... Considering that they already printed up all that bomb ass merchandise, that is the most that that is the thing that I am the most curious about because we talked about last week how they opened the tribute store, and then the next week they cancel it. So this must have been a real like one eighty decision made on someone's part. And what I think it is is because this is the time of the year when they make the decision if they're going to start constructing haunted houses. Yeah, like well, I know that they start construction in uh, late July, early August. So we were like literally on the precipice, like finger on the big red button. Like you know, do we do we say yes or no? And I don't know if this is the cause or if it was just incidental, but uh, Mickey's not so scary Halloween party was canceled earlier this week. So maybe the uh, the higher ups at Universal looked at that and real and just kind of thought to themselves. Disney's not doing it. Maybe we shouldn't do it. Well, uh, counterpoint, like, you know, two separate things. Like, the Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party also starts way earlier in the season than Halloween Horror Nights. Like, traditionally, the Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party has started, like, early mid-August. Like, they have gotten into the Halloween season even earlier than I, which, you know, don't get me wrong, mad respect. But their decision to cancel uh the mickey's not so scary halloween party this year was i mean i think kind of a foregone conclusion because the disney world resort was later to open than even the universal resort like universal opened more than a month before the disney resort like you could get into a universal theme park in early june in florida uh, whereas uh, the Disney theme parks, like the first Disney theme parks, didn't open until like mid-July. So as far as uh, the uh, major theme parks goes, it would appear that Halloween is unfortunately canceled for this year. Cue the crying children in the Halloween Town Village. For all the bad news that's happened, delays and what have you... There is one sliver of good news, at least for me anyway. This past week has also been host to a number of high-profile video game announcements, and what really got me going was the return of Jet Set Radio! Oh, are they doing that? Sort of. See, Sega is still committed to doing absolutely nothing with the property, but when Sega drops the ball, the fans pick it up. And by fans, I mean Team Reptile, the creators behind Lethal League. Earlier this week, they dropped a teaser for the upcoming title, Bomb Rush Center Funk, which is just a fucking money name that I think you can appreciate. Bomb Rush Center Funk? Cyber Funk. Cyber, so Bomb Rush 
cyber funk. Yeah, like cyberpunk, but with cyber funk. Uh. It's a money name. Yeah, I'd be down. According to the official Steam release, it will be all about players dancing, spraying, tricking, facing off with cops, and staking their claim to a sprawling metropolis in an alternate future. The aforementioned 80-second teaser has already been blowing up on Jet Set Twitter and features all the skating, grinding, dancing, tagging, and cel-shaded flavor of its spiritual predecessors. And beyond just nailing their vibe, they also got a big get in Hideki Naganuma, composer of Jet Set Radio and Jet Set Radio Future. And notably horny Twitter guy. Tagged to provide the soundtrack for, uh, f- for the new game. No solid release date yet, but Team Reptile says they're aiming for a 2021 release date. So I guess when God closes the Horror Nights, he opens a Jet Set Radio. David, I know you don't really give a shit about video games, but this means a lot to me. No, was, I mean, was... I don't give a shit about video games that I don't give a shit about. But I do give a shit about video games that I do give a shit about. And the Jet Set ra- or Jet Grind future uh we call it jets at radio is that is that is that what the is that what the fans are calling it when it was ported to steam it was jets at radio okay the original title is that what they're is that what the fandom is calling it that that that's what it'd be i'm down i am i am joining you in solidarity with the the struggle Um, well it's not a struggle no more since we have been delivered boy all right, well, that fucking maxed out way hard, so. And that's why I tend to speak in a sort of monotone voice, because my voice has a lot of pitches. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I... So, yeah, my, my disappointment at Halloween Horror Nights uh, being canceled is almost canceled out at yeah, the it's realization almost, it's that... Count, it's counteracted by uh, the uh, introduction of a new... Uh, the prospect of a new Jet Set Radio game. Like, Halloween Horror Nights, as much as I miss it... It will come back. I did not expect a new Jet Set Radio with Hideki Naganuma doing the soundtrack in my lifetime. Though speaking of that, um, so Halloween Horror Nights has been canceled today. Uh, Jet Set Radio is coming back today. Also, I guess today aliens are real. Yeah, yeah. apparently uh, the Pentagon has acknowledged that aliens are a thing. Yeah, uh, maybe you can tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, uh, not really. It's just like wild that that was like you know at the bottom of the news cycle. It's just like you know, uh, yeah, we're all still tr- stuck in our fucking houses. Um, everything still sucks and is terrible. Halloween Horror Nights is canceled, but on the bright side, uh, Jet Set Radio Future is coming back, and also aliens are officially real. They have been canonized. Yeah, I feel like the alien thing got relegated to the same status as, like, witches trying to send hexes at the moon. Which, you know, I don't know much about... Well, you know what? Maybe... maybe I don't know much about witchcraft, but I feel like if you're trying to cast magic at the moon, you're gonna lose 100% of the time. Moon is gonna beat your ass 100% of the time. What you gonna do against the moon? Counterpoint. Tumblr witches have never in the history of humanity tried to uh in a coordinated manner destroy the moon what happens when tumblr witches try to destroy the moon aliens become real you may be honest something 
Am I right? Probably not. Almost certainly not. Am I wrong? Almost certainly yes. But can you prove it? No, you cannot. And that's why we're going to take a quick commercial break. We will be right back. Thank you for listening to this absolute shit show. We'll be back. Will we, though? He, more hideous than Jack the Ripper. She, bloodier than Bluebeard. No one is safe in That Teenage Psycho Meets Bloody Mary. Filmed in sensational bloody vision. Movie monsters come alive and go into the audience. You are suddenly surrounded by monsters. You become a party to the horror in The Teenage Psycho Meets Bloody Mary. Starring Cash Flag in bloody color. So you know what I was surprised never really got any uh, significant horror adap- adaptation was uh, the Star Wars universe. Hmm. Because we did get a couple in the form of the Galaxy of Terror books, but those always skewed pretty young. They were yeah, basically, they were basically I, just goosebumps with a Star Wars skin. I think I had one of those as a young kid. Uh, like the, It had like a hologram kind of cover on it. It's probably somewhere in the garage. I don't know. Yeah, I think they all had hologram covers and... That was weird to me because the Star Wars universe is so fucking horrifying that it, 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 it's ripe for cosmic horror shenanigans. Yeah. I mean, in the Star Wars universe, like, there's, like, roughly half the galaxy is considered, like, the uncharted territory, right? Like, uh, the, yeah, it's, it's, it's the unknown regions. Yeah, the unknown that, regions. That's, that's where, like, uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, came from. The Yuuzhan Vong, I think, first uh, made landfall in the Uncharted regions. Which, you know, that, that would make sense. Because the Yuuzhan Vong were a uh, invading they were, they force extra, from outside the galaxy. They were extra-galactical. So, uh, yeah, it would make sense for them to invade first from, in the, from the uh, unknown regions. And I think that's why, you know, Thrawn originally first allied with the uh the empire was because because he knew what was coming yeah the chiss ascendancy encountered the uh the the yuzhan vong before the empire did but yeah basically the whole unknown regions is a a patchwork of hyperspace uh, anomalies that make it difficult to to uh, traverse so the whole uh, galactic uh government was basically just like i don't know fuck it yeah, it's, we're not, not, it's more trouble about, than it's worth. <laughs> we're not going to worry about it, and hopefully it's not going to worry about us. The problem is that it occasionally worries about you. Uh, pretty much. But even in uh, the, the main universe, there's a lot to uh, say, just like hyperspace as a concept. Yeah, I mean, because if you're traveling through hyperspace like you know it they they do it so many so many times in the movie they you know it's just kind of like yeah, yeah it's, think about it. it's like do. getting on the turnpike yeah but uh the you know traveling through uh you know hyperspace in the star wars universe is honestly carries way more uh even more implica- horrifying implications than getting on the jersey turnpike yeah, the way hyperspace works in the Star Wars universe is that you're basically slipping into a subdimension that allows you to cut the actual amount of space that you're traveling significantly. That's why when Han Solo says he made the castle run in 12 parsecs, it actually makes sense because he's cutting space out of his journey by taking an uncharted course through hyperspace. Yeah. Um, the horrifying parts of it though are that you know you could get uh trapped in hyperspace if you're you know if your uh hyperdrive breaks down for some reason sometimes you can just 
if you're taking an uncharted route, you can just get bounced into entirely separate dimensions. Yeah. Uh, you could wind up in the middle of a, I don't know, a fucking star or a planet. Yeah, which got uh, mentioned in the uh, first movie is that you could bing too close to a supernova and uh, that'll end your trip real quick. Yeah. But also there is the concept of hyper rapture, which uh, popped up. Yeah, that's from like staring into the void, right? Yeah, it's if you stare out the window too much while you're going into hyperspace, it can induce a sort of like manic madness that he's got the hyper madness he's got yeah it basically makes you a threat to yourself and everyone around you yeah i i think it's it's uh just like kind of like a a, a form of like space exis- vertigo yeah, what's well, like existential horror uh and space like you know externalized as like space vertigo is like a you know sort of like i guess like existential vertigo <laughs> You know, like you're 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 you know, kind of like dazed and made dizzy at the at the fact that, you know, you are slipping in the space between worlds, basically. So yeah, hyperspace itself is terrifying, but there's also plenty of creatures from the uh, from the Star Wars Legends verse that are terrifying. Uh, have you ever heard of the Star Weirds? Yeah, that sounds familiar. What they are is basically this sort of emaciated humanoid ghost that just yeah they just like haunt uh hyperdrive like lanes right well they exist in the deepest parts of space and they are intangible so that they can just pass straight through the uh, holes of your ships and basically they just shriek at you until they eviscerate you with with their claws and since they're intangibles blasters don't work on them lightsabers don't work on them and yes, as you alluded, they do occasionally uh, pop up in hyperspace. Yeah, uh, that shit would suck. Um, the yeah, I think the the hyper weirds like there's not really anything you can do about them. Like if you if you uh, I if believe you encounter... they are vulnerable to force powers, but if you're not force sensitive and don't know anyone who is, yeah, if, you're if pretty you, much fucked. If you, yeah, if you run into one, you're pretty much just fucked. And um, I forget what it's called, but there's also an entity that's basically the stuff from the movie the stuff yeah i don't remember what those things are called either but yeah it's it's like a hive mind kind of thing right exactly yeah uh they took over a whole planet and then started looking at ways to expand and basically what it appears as is a substance that makes its way into your body one way or another and then it just dissolves all of your innards and just takes over your consciousness and then you just become a part of the stuff yeah um yeah it's kind of, it's kind of like a more like a organic version of like the borg from star trek essentially yes yeah and then at the top of the pops there's abeloth yeah which abeloth is kind of like the she is uh, the closest that uh the star wars unit uh star wars universe really gets to lovecraftian shit yeah abeloth is like you know the uh like re like re re real fucking lovecraft hours she started out as a human who landed on a planet uh, inhabited by the father, the son, and the daughter. Three characters who were made canon in the Star Wars Clone Wars series. Yeah, yeah. So those guys, so those ones are back in canon, and they're essentially like you know, Im- like kind of like a they're they're Eternals? an embodied yeah they're they're um they're like an embodiment of the like you know a metaphor like a, a representation of the Force, but also kind of like basically like the star wars universe's version of like the trinity more or less yeah it's like 
there's the father who's supreme overall and then the son is the dark side and the daughter is the light side of the force yeah like there yeah the father is like the embodiment of like you know the balance of the force and then the son is like you know pure dark side force and then the daughter is pure light side force but all of them got their asses whipped by avaloth who was a human woman who drank from the uh the the font of power and bathed well, in she, the pool she, of knowledge. she also like you know she kind of like joined their family and became the mother yeah she was originally just a human woman who crash landed there but confronted with her uh, own mortality she chose to do two things that she was forbidden from ever doing and just the untethered power and knowledge inhabiting a human body turned her into a lovecraftian nightmare i feel like there's almost like some kind of like you know biblical analogy involved there <laughs> i mean that's probably much more what uh the original author was going for but it ended up going lovecraftian shit yeah yeah instead of like uh instead of like you know uh getting kicked out of the garden of eden uh she turned into like a giant tentacle monster with a big mouth and her power set is essentially unlimited she can control minds change shapes yeah control entire planets and in terms of force powers she was so strong that both luke skywalker at his most op and darth crate could barely stand up against her well i mean just the fact that they could stand up against her at all i mean she's fucking like we're talking about like galaxy spanning horror here <laughs> yeah she's yeah luke skywalker at that stage was basically a god and he got his ass handed to him by a bigger god yeah because there's always a bigger fish yeah well i mean that's that's kind of like the the crux of like the love love like lovecraftian fiction is that like you know uh everything that happens on like you know earth or anything like that is so infinitesimal and unimportant that doesn't even you know register in the grand scheme of like the horrors that exist in the universe yeah but if we're talking like luke skywalker was cthulhu and abeloth was yogg yeah so that is why i feel like it's strange that there's never been like an outright star wars horror story because the uh, the potential is definitely there a lot of it already exists in the expanded universe yeah um honestly i th- think that would oh god you remember the rack ghouls the rat ghouls rack ghouls rack ghouls star wars zombies i do not remember them no uh it was uh related to the uh to the uh the stuff uh it was an imperial engineered virus that basically infected you and liquefied your organs and turned you into a zombie oh did they did they take the stuff and turn it into like a weapon they weaponized the stuff um yeah i don't i don't remember that yeah that was the uh that was the uh source of like the uh the novel star wars red harvest and stuff like that Hmm. but i mean yeah the the star wars universe in general is you know ripe for lots of horror material and you know it that's that's gone you know mostly under leveraged the concept of the zarlacc alone you know yeah it's a what what is a more horrifying way to go than you know being Sarlacc. Sl- yeah, being slowly digested over the th- over a thousand years while you're conscious. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't. Uh, it actually doesn't even end when you're dead because the Sarlacc just absorbs your consciousness and you become a part of it. <laughs> Which honestly, you know, when you think about that, that makes Java like a really cold-blooded motherfucker. <laughs> well, he, well, he was. You know, that was his whole character. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of like the the cornerstone of the Huts is being 
Yeah, a dick. <laughs> so, now I'm curious. Um, If you could tell a horror story in the Star Wars universe, what do you think that you would do? I would probably go first for something involving hyperspace. It would definitely have to be something involving hyperspace. Because that's... That, there's so many things you can do with that. That's true. And some of it has been done in uh, the Legends material where they... Ac- where, like, Han, Leia, and Luke accidentally bleak into an alternate reality which is actively like squaring up to destroy the mainland the mainline uh star wars universe that was a thing that happened yeah hmm. i mean to even like you know ask that question that's that's like so there's there's so many so many like opportunities that that we're talking we could talk about of like ways that you could leverage the star wars like you know both uh canon and uh the you know the legends universe now um for my part it's kind of a uh boring uh supposition but we actually did get a glimpse of this in the movie rogue one i would like to see a uh an all-out war movie where darth vader is basically a slasher villain (laughs) like it's told from the perspective of this like you know john q soldier and darth vader is jason voorhees (laughs) it's an it's a novel approach if nothing else (laughs) um like how does it all take place over the like the entire story take place over the course of like a couple of minutes Uh, it takes place over the course of a single battle and the battle lasts like a day or two and darth vader is just hunting after this particular person no that that's uh that that's what makes it horrifying is that our uh our pov is entirely irrelevant He's just a regular soldier who sees, you know, Vader just tear through all of his buddies. It it it's aliens. If alien was Darth Vader, okay, I could I could see how it could work. I don't I don't know if I would like you know necessarily see the uh, the full outline in my head or anything like that. But I could see how the idea could work. Yeah, because you know just just imagine yourself as a rebel. You've maybe heard of Darth Vader. You're at the very least uh, experienced with the things that he's done to people. But, you know, Darth Vader's not real. He's just, uh, he's just a ghost story that rebels tell each other <laughs> around the campfire. Yeah. And then it turns out he's very real. Yeah. Get, gather round and I'll tell you the tale of Darth Vader. <laughs> and how he poisoned Candy Rock Mountain. Which is kind of what I thought was going to happen in uh, Rogue One. And it sort of did, but only for like a minute and a half. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure that Disney probably has more uh, anthology movies coming out. Like, you know, if, if, movies are still a, if movies are still a thing when we emerge from this uh, whole pandemic. But correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Rogue One is the, uh, the best of the post-prequel Star Wars movies. Well, I mean, it would also be, uh, you mean post-original trilogy? Because, like, I think Rogue One is definitely better than any of the prequels. I mean, if you want to expand it, but sure, yeah, why not? Yeah. I think that's probably fair. Like, you know, I didn't dislike any of the sequels as much as, you know, a, a lot of people I uh, The sequels really were a them. mixed bag. Yeah, they, they were all, like, all of them were a mixed bag in their own way. Not good enough for me to remember, but not bad enough for me to hate. I had a good time with all of them if nothing else like 
by the end of uh or by like you know the you know one third mark in rise of skywalker i was like oh i know where this is going so this isn't particularly <laughs> you know it's not it's not in you know it it didn't it, you know by like, the one third mark because by the one third mark i was like jesus christ when is this gonna slow down so i can go to the bathroom no, I think that all of that, like, you know, just, uh, that, that, you know, just, like, slideshow at the beginning of the first, at the beginning of episode nine. Palpatine um, has returned. Yeah, I mean, some of that shit sucked, but, um, I mean, the first, like, 20 minutes I, of the I, movie. I do or... like that Rise of the Sky, that Rise of Skywalker is the first time where Palpatine actually felt scary. I don't know, like, he's, he's kind of, he's kind of menacing in, uh, Return of the Jedi. Even in Return of the Jedi, I feel like he's just hamming it up too much taking too much satisfaction in uh torturing mark hamill in rise of the skywalker he's like even somehow even more decrepit his eyes are white he's a fucking zombie yeah um i mean personally i kind of that that <laughs> that part of it kind of sucked honestly um for me um I think, like, the first 20 minutes of Rise of Skywalker, I think, are, like, the worst parts of the movie. And then it gets better from there. I mean, I mostly agree. I think it gets better around, like, the halfway point. Yeah. When the when the story finally coalesces into something. Yeah, because, like, like I said, like, the first 20 minutes or so of the movie are basically just a slideshow of just, like, you know... Palpatine's back. Ever, all of the characters that you remember, they're over here. They're over here. Uh, Kylo Ren's doing this thing. Blah 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 blah. You know, just kind of setting the stage. You know, just basically like doing exposition to set the stage for uh, an but Rogue story. One. Though. Rogue One is what we were uh, originally talking about. Yeah. Um, back to Rogue One. It's a good movie. And I actually uh, like the characters. I felt much sadder when uh donnie yen and his boyfriend died than i did for you know most of the fucking marvel movies yeah that's true i actually like you know uh felt some kind of you know felt some kind of way about these characters yeah yeah uh like at the end of the movie when like you know Jin and cassian are uh vaporized yeah i was just like damn that's fucking heavy man <laughs> I mean, I didn't like either of them as much as uh, uh, Donnie Yen, so. Uh, Donnie Yen was the uh, Zatoichi. Right, yeah. Yeah. He was cool. Yeah. Um, I felt he was a little bit out of place, but, you know, I was like, you know, if you're going to go he there. Was, he was the token force sensitive. Yeah, but I mean, he was also just, he was just like, yeah, he was, he was just like a monk. Who's just like hanging out? Who, who, whose boyfriend was the heavy weapons expert? Yeah, and it was just like this guy is like a stock character, but at least they did something interesting with him. And I feel like a lot of that is probably just Donnie Yen's natural charisma, like the fact that they did something with him, or no, just the actor having that charisma. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I kind of get what you're saying. So the the character if, if it was a lesser character if it was a lesser actor playing him, I probably wouldn't care as yeah, much. Yeah, the character himself was like aggressively stock um but the actor made him something interesting yeah it's like the threads were always there and then uh donnie yen elevated them into being something memorable yeah like the 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 blind force sensitive yeah the zasoichi like, yeah well it be, he doesn't have a sword 
Yeah, but he used but he uses his stick, you know, as effectively. Yeah. He beats stormtroopers to death with his little cane. Yeah. So yeah, it was that I think that that's what kind of like you know initially put me off in the character. I was like, really, we're doing we're doing the blind swordsman, but uh, the the, the blind fact- swordsman fucking rules. Uh, yeah, but it is such a known trope that like you know, I don't care when you see it happen in a movie. Uh, it is just kind of like, you know, jarring because you're just like, don't give a shit. It's a known trope. I love to see it. Give me more blind swordsmen. Okay. So from now on, I'm only going to let you see movies that have blind swordsmen in them. Excellent. All right. We'll see who will blink first. (laughs) But, uh, Rogue One did an excellent job of showing like Star Wars from an actual like war perspective. Like it's the only Star Wars movie that feels like an actual war movie yeah uh so we've seen stars can you show us woods and i would uh i would love to see that uh that same movie repeated where like a character like darth vader is in play and because in, uh he darth vader doesn't actually do a whole lot in most of the movies but in legends he's just like what rebels use to scare each other <laughs> He is the nightman. <laughs> the nightman cometh. So that's that's my Star Wars horror movie. Is a war movie where like a seemingly inhuman force is just shredding your lines, killing your friends, killing your superiors, and you know you're on the list. But if he's that invulnerable, how do you stretch it out into like a feature length? Uh, the same way you stretch out any slasher movie, because the slasher is not on screen for the majority of it. Hmm. So like, like Darth Vader's not just killing uh, guys for ninety minutes. That's not what I'm proposing. Okay. There so, needs to be suspense, of course. So yeah, you establish your characters maybe for like the first like half of it, and then you introduce Darth. You drop drop Darth Vader into it. Well, Darth Vader is uh is your uh your introduction to the movie, like Darth Vader decimating a squadron then credits and then you introduce the main character because you know that's how that's how slasher movies movies work because seeing darth vader in the in the distance just like slat just like slicing people in half just by the dozen and then just like freeze frame i bet you're wondering how i got into this situation well have you seen the original friday the 13th it opens with uh betsy palmer killing two counselors in the 50s then credits and then we meet our characters Halloween, same thing. It opens with Michael Myers as a kid killing his sister. Credits, then we meet our characters. That's mm-hmm. that's how slasher movies be. Yeah. So are you Yeah, but it's establishing the killer, not or okay, okay. I, so yeah, I, we yeah, establish, I see what you mean. We establish Darth Vader, then we meet our platoon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see how, how that would work. Yeah. And uh we spend a lot of time getting to know our platoon, alien style, so that when they die... I was thinking more Starship Troopers. <laughs> Starship Troopers is a horror film in a different sense. It's a horror in the sense that people misread this movie. Yeah. Honestly, the first time I saw it was like um, when I was probably 12, and uh, one of my friends... Oh, brought... cool! Space Marines! Yeah, one of my friends brought it over to, my ho- brought it over to our house, and... Uh, like put it on it was just like this movie's pretty fucking cool right it's like fucking 
blowing up aliens and shit. And I was like, nah, this sucks. Truth is, we both misunderstood the movie, and that's why we had such polarized reactions to it. Your analogy might be more apt than you realize, since uh, I feel like there is... I feel like there's a very uh, Starship Troopers uh, story to be told in the Star Wars universe. Oh my god, this is so fucking. <laughs> this now we're talking. Now we're going down a whole fucking new, a whole new thing. Yeah, Starship Troopers, but with a stormtrooper. Yeah. Storm. This is Ship this troopers. is this is fucking gold. <laughs> like doing a Paul Verhoeven Starship Troopers, but set in the Star Wars universe. This shit is fucking gold. Yeah, where a stormtrooper grows up on like Corellia or Coruscant or one of the one of the core worlds, yeah. and all he's no, it at- has it has to be like a satellite world that's like you know a uh, core world adjacent, but then uh, uh, enough that it can get like blown up by the rebels. But no, the rebels wouldn't blow. The rebels, up the, whole the world. rebels never killed a planet, and even if they had that capacity, yeah. I don't think they would. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we'll we'll just his, go back to his his his, uh, his uh, bush league town got taken out in the crossfire between imperials and rebels, and due to imperial propaganda, he grows up hate resenting the rebels. Yeah, I like this direction. <laughs> and then he uh, so he uh, enlists in the imperial academy like Luke Skywalker wanted to do. Graduates, ends up becoming a stormtrooper, the best of the best, and then he sees firsthand. The conflict, the galactic civil war. Yeah, Disney hire us, hire us to write. Uh, you don't know what you're doing with uh, Star Wars, so hire us to write your uh, your follow up to the Mandalorian. Yeah, I promise we'll stop uh, bad mouthing you on our podcast if you hire us. If I'm on your payroll, I won't talk shit about Tony Stark another day in my life. Yeah, yeah, we'll never say anything bad about the Marvel movies. <laughs> I mean, I guess my idea for, like, a Star Wars, uh, you know, anthology film would probably be kind of a, you know, sort of lost in space, sort of, kind of, well, not not lost in... Deep Space Nine? Mm. You want to do a, an anthology about the outbound flight? Uh, like, the, the, the one that, like, you know, set out from the core world to try and chart the uh, unknown, the unknown region? regions, yeah. That could be interesting. Okay, I thought that's where you were going with this. And no, I was thinking my that, that's my, the first place my mind palace went. No, my original idea was, uh, you know, just having a story about people who, like, you know, are traveling through, uh, through uh, hyperspace, and eventually, like, you know, get lost in hyperspace. I mean, we could always achieve a synthesis between the two, because outbound flight was gonna depart from Coruscant, try to chart the unknown regions, and then go to the next galaxy that was always the end game yeah so you could have them try and you could have end up having them do that by accident just like a band of smugglers or pirates who uh took an uncharted uh, hyperspace jump out of desperation and end up lost in god knows where yeah in the space between worlds you get real cosmic with this shit no i mean yeah why not yeah, because I did once read a uh, Star Wars comic where uh, Han and Chewie are being chased by Star Destroyers and they make an uncharted uh, hyperspace jump and they wind up on Earth. <laughs> what kind of wacky adventures ensue? And uh, Han gets an arrow through his chest courtesy of some uh, 
uh, Native Americans, and Chewie becomes the Sasquatch, and then later their ship is discovered by uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> this happens. I swear to God, it happens. Well, yeah, it happened in uh, Legends, which means it no longer happened, but it happened in a... Well, even, even in the canon of Legends, it was just a one-shot thing, just like a sort of what-if, but... Yeah. Oh, it was like a... Oh, was it still being written by Marvel? Was it was it part of the What If series? It wasn't part of the What If series, but it was you know the same sort of idea. Yeah, because in the Legends canon, it's Chewie who died and Han Solo who lived. Hmm. Yeah, Chewie died in the Yuuzhong Vong War, right? Something like that. He died saving uh, Han's uh, dickbag kid, Jason. Is he the one who turned to the dark side? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he's he's the uh, obvious analog to uh, Ben Solo. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the clock right now, and uh, that appears to be about all the time we have for today. My name is Ness. Who are you? Uh, David. And you have been listening to the Splatterpunks Splattercast. Thank you for listening. Is that what we're calling it now? That's what I've been calling it. Okay. A Splattercast? Yeah. Okay works for me sure why yeah. not <laughs> you're just gonna keep saying yeah yeah <laughs> okay um requesting, so requesting li- evac from this bit so thank you thank you for listening and good night